Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Reclaimed Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Elise, just a black girl out here trying to help everyone do better, including and especially herself. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Or if you're new here, hi, hello, and welcome. I hope everyone's doing well, feeling well, and staying well. This week in Whitney World, not a lot to report. (laughs) Not a lot to report. Um, You know, we're getting closer to... The big, big birthday of the small, small person that lives in our house and um, the excitement builds. Oh, I do have something to report. Thank you to everyone who sent all those lovely, lovely, kind words congratulating us on our daughter's dedication. For those who are um, unaware, I shared our baby's dedication at church this past weekend and um, it it was such a moment and... Yeah, I could take a few minutes to talk about that. Um, So I told you guys previously that I've been previously married and I've lost children, Um, had several miscarriages uh, and that was hard. There was a lot of grief, Um, lots and lots of grief around that. Um, And the way some of the ways that it manifested, one of the ways that it manifested was that I couldn't sit through baby dedications. Because I'd be watching all these parents bring their babies up and they're so happy and everybody looks just so joyful. And here I am sitting with like an empty, a empty heart and empty, empty arms and empty womb just in grief, in absolute grief. So I wouldn't be able to sit through them. And I'd go to the bathroom in the, in the church and I'd cry. I'd sit, <laughs> I'd sit in the stall um, and I'd cry because I, ha- I had no place to actually put that grief. I couldn't really talk to anybody about it. Um, it felt really lonely, really isolating. There's something to be said about how we treat mothers, parents, birthing people um, who go through miscarriage. It's like we're almost, we almost shrug it off as if it wasn't anything that even happened. Um, but some people, I being some of these people, um, some people don't even like, it's no pain to them. It doesn't bother them, but I, that was not my experience. And so I would sit and cry. And then after a while, you know, I could, you know, I still excuse myself to the bathroom, but I wouldn't cry or wouldn't cry as much. Um, and then I stopped crying, but I'd still go to the bathroom. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, now we, we could sit through it. We don't have to, you know, rush off to the bathroom just in case we have an emotional outburst. Um, and then we can sit and sit through it, play on our phones, sit through it, write in our journal, sit through it, sit through it. Okay. Now I don't even notice it now. And that was a progression of years, but you get the point that I'm trying to make. So as we were having our daughter's dedication, literally at the end, cause I was, I was so worried about her, like, cause knocking over the computer because we we did it digitally knocking over the computer or having a meltdown but it seemed like every time the camera went to her she was doing something adorable um she looked good if I do say so myself and I do say so myself (laughs) and you know I'm sitting there with my husband my mom is there with um my niece and you know it just it just hit me after like we moved on to the next thing um and I lost it I lost it that the thing that I was praying for a decade ago is happening now. And so over a decade ago, rather. Um, so feelings, still feeling very, very grateful. And so thank you everybody for sending all of your nice things. Um, a lot of you didn't even know that story, but just for context, the words mean a lot. <laughs> the things that you're saying mean a lot. Um... So yeah, that was my week. Otherwise, you know, just trying to figure out what to have for dinner every day. Um, if you also struggle with that, please let me know. Um, because I have no idea what to make on the daily. Um, and here we are. So let's get into the recap for last week. Last week's episode called Kindness, Damn It. <laughs> I had the absolute pleasure, absolute 
joy of speaking with Emmy Award nominee Jack McBrayer about his new show and why kindness matters. It was such a cute, such a great interview. He's he's literally who he is on screen, just funny and you know relatable. And Jack, anytime you want to like chat it up, you just let me know. Um, Like I said on the show. so we had that opportunity to talk, but I also reflected upon the role motherhood plays in activism. And I talked about the Brave Baby Book Club. Thank you for everyone who reached out about the Brave Baby Book Club. Um, you could check it out on Instagram. Um, these are books that are intentionally chosen for our children based upon the month. This month is Saturday at the food pantry. Um, it's such a cute book, It's but it, it covers something that's very, very serious, which is food instability, um, which a lot of people, particularly people in my community, struggle with. So, yeah, that it, it, it takes the story and it really humanizes it. It takes the shame out of food insecurity and it the whole the whole line of everybody needs help sometimes like really, really struck me. Um, it's one of the kindest things I've ever heard. Speaking of kindness, um, and about something that's such a heavy, heavy topic. Uh, but back to the brave baby book club, it also includes, um, a bunch of activities that you can do. And I believe they're doing some partnerships with, uh, some partners who are actively either, uh, creating a food pantry or getting food together. Um, but you can head over to the Brave Baby Book Club on Instagram. Um, but that was last week's show. You can also tune in to that. Again, like I say, you are more than welcome to binge as much as you want. This week's show, we have a lot to cover because last week's I didn't touch any topics. So we got to catch up. So let's dive into it. Let's get into these church announcements. Hit it, Earl. Let the people of the Reclaim say amen. Glad to be here, say amen again, and say amen one more time if you really like the show. We're glad that y'all here today, and these will be your church announcements. Guys, you guys want to laugh about something? All right, so I just, so you know how, like, when we do the church announcements intro, and Earl comes on, and let the people of God say amen, <laughs> let the people of the reclaimed, rather, say amen. Uh, we recorded that three years ago today so november 18th three years ago we recorded that soundbite um for this for this segment um and i just noticed because the dates are still on the date stamps are still on the recordings so whenever i go to it i see the date stamp and i'm like oh my gosh that was three years ago so here we are um this is so dope um but that's not what you came to talk about i just had to share that uh, into our church announcements we go. So, Malala Yousafzai is married, you guys. So for those who are unfamiliar, Malala is an incredible, amazing, very, very, very brave woman. Uh, she started her activism as a girl to bring light to girls' education. Um, she herself was... Uh, attacked by the Taliban uh, for going to school, simply going to school. Um, girls are highly discouraged from getting their education around the world, but particularly where uh, Malala is from. And she has been outspoken about girls' education. She's been an outspoken advocate of 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 women and girls. Um, and I'm here for it, and I'm here for her. And it was just, it was such a beautiful, pleasant surprise to see this woman, I believe she just graduated, if if not from Cambridge, then Oxford. One of the two. Um, forgive me for not remembering where she graduated from. But she just graduated. And then she drops the news that she is married. And I gotta be honest. If if I was a celebrity online, that's the way I live my life. <laughs> you wouldn't even know if I was dating somebody. <laughs> I'm like, ah, <laughs> we're married. What? Um, that's the way to do it. Like, congratulations, Malala. Like how, and she looks so beautiful, beautiful. So she posted on Instagram and the caption says, today marks a precious day in my life. Aser and I tied the knot to be partners for life. 
we celebrated with a small, um, we celebrated a small nikkah ceremony um, at home in Birmingham with our families. Please send us your prayers. We are excited to walk together for the journey ahead. And it's beautiful, beautiful photographs. Just she looked lovely. He looks elated. His their family, her family looks overjoyed. And just all the feels, all the feels like I want all the good things for her. Um, You know who else I felt like that about Amanda Gorman? And I this is not in the notes, but I just saw Amanda Gorman went to it was the Glamour Style Awards. Um, For those who are unfamiliar with Amanda Gorman, she is the the young uh, poet laureate um, who read the incredible poem at Biden's inauguration and has just seen her star just oh just rise rise so fast and I'm just so elated and excited to see all the good things for her Um, I saw a picture of her with Simone Biles and they're both geeking out holding each other's hands and it's just it was such a moment oh my heart was so just overjoyed Um, and I figured you know we start the church announcements with you know a lot of the warm feels you know because you know some of these are really unpleasant I guess we should just go ahead and get to them so um for all my Peloton users, all of my Peloton owners, I got some bad news for you. Um, according to Insider, black employees at Peloton are hammering the company with questions about being paid less. Like I said, this is from Insider. Peloton, the connected fitness company whose sleek stationary, stationary bikes have become a pandemic status symbol among homebound techies and bankers has been promising pay equity since 2019. The company also vowed to spend 100 million to fight systemic racism as a part of its Peloton pledge in 2020. But now black black employees at Peloton are sharing salaries and questioning executives about their pay. So apparently there's all this disruption over at Peloton because the black folks are like, have gotten together like, hmm, if such and such and so and so and I have the same job, why am I making less? Y'all have promised pay equity since 2019, allegedly. And you promised $100 million to fight systemic racism in 2020. Yet here, here in our very business, there is no pay equity. Here in our very business, there is systemic racism. Make it make sense. So I haven't heard anything back what uh, Peloton has said. Um, I'm sure they, you know, they talk about, you know, you know how they have the PR people come and they're like, oh, you know, it's just misunderstandings and we're working it out behind the scenes, you know, all that stuff. So I'm sure that that has been released, but I haven't heard anything concrete, but I will keep following this story to keep updating you um, because I know y'all pay a lot of money for these here bikes um, and y'all really, really love them. And um, I would hate to tell you that, you know, the Peloton you love is based in a company that's racist. Um, hopping over to Reuters now. Reuters reports that Jacob Chansley, if y'all remember Jacob Chansley, he was dubbed the QAnon shaman. Y'all remember January 6th, the insurrection, because people like to pretend that that didn't happen. Um, January 6th, the insurrection, when the former president told everybody to fight like hell. And we're going to walk to the Capitol. Um, and then that became a riot, you know, you know, inciting a riot. Um, and that's what he was impeached for. He impeached twice, um, a, literally a week before his presidency was over. This is fun. Um, but yeah, so Jake, back to Jacob Chansley. He was one of the folks that was in the crowd who broke in, literally broke into the Capitol, overran the Capitol and came inside he was the one wearing the bullhorns and like had a spear that dude remember that dude he got arrested in january of this year apparently i didn't realize it was so soon um but his face is plastered all over the january 6th stuff and it's usually one of the most recognizable persons involved in the insurrection well, he was finally sentenced to 41 months in prison for his role in the deadly January attack. One of the most severe punishments yet of the hundreds charged with participating in the riot. So currently there's a few hundred 
people, I believe 675 people have been charged. Um, there was way more people who did stuff. So I'm hoping that in the coming months we hear about, you know, we see that number rise. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, if it was Black Lives Matter, which it wouldn't be, like I've said before, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is protesting police brutality. And remember, they had armed, they had armed guards, like in military, they had militarized police standing on the steps of the Capitol. Whereas here, you know, people were, there were some people who were letting people in. We saw videos of people opening gates and allowing folks to come in. We saw all sorts of stuff that people want to just pretend that didn't happen. Um, which it must be the benefit of whiteness. Like, let's talk about it because y'all want to act like Tulsa didn't happen. Y'all want to act like the Wilmington massacre didn't happen. Y'all want to act like, um, y'all want to pretend that this country wasn't stolen from people that were, that had populated this nation. Like there were people here, millions, not like, not like two or three millions of people who had established communities, established, um, territories, established nations of their own you know they were people of their own and y'all want to pretend like they didn't happen y'all want to pretend that slavery didn't happen anything that doesn't look good on white people y'all want to pretend it didn't happen and that's why y'all keep trying to pretend um that critical race theory which is not critical race theory we already talked about that two weeks ago when we talked about Christopher Rufo and how he basically manufactured a lie and a bunch of people who didn't want to use the Google but still wanted to complain on the phones that also have access to Google how that person duped all y'all into simply just believing that anything that talks about diversity, equity, and, and inclusion is critical race theory, which is racist. But y'all can't answer a simple question like, what text did you read that was racist? What author of critical race theory had something racist to say? Talking bad about white people is not racist. It's just not. Talking bad about... Talk, Things, let me, let me clarify that statement. Saying things that were accurate, things that were factual, things that are in our history is not racist against white people. It just makes you feel weird because y'all have been painted as the hero for so long that y'all believed your own hype. Y'all believed your own hype and it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Not only were you not the heroes, oftentimes you were the villains. You were the bad guys in a lot of the stories. And this is one of them. Um, the insurrection. And y'all like to sweep that stuff under the rug. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to take this rug and we're going to turn it upside down. Let's look at all this dust here. Let's look at all this dirt here. Let's look at all of these skeletons in the closet. Some of them not even skeletons. So I'm glad that some accountability is being taken in. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. After Obama became president, I felt incredibly, and I'm glad we have this word now because we didn't have it at the time. I felt gaslit by a lot of my white friends and white counterparts because they were like, oh, racism is over. What are you talking about? There's no such thing as racism. There's no such thing as inequity. We have a black president as if a black president is going to Having a black president, rather, is going to erase 400 years of oppression and brutalization and violence and hatred and systemic ingrained problems. And I'm just talking about for my people. Let's not even look all around at other groups of people, you know, because then the evidence gets even further compiled. And when we talk about these things, we're not trying to make, here's the thing about it. We're not trying to make white people feel bad. Because we honestly don't care about the feelings. We don't care about their feelings. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your feelings. It's about getting justice. It's about getting equity. It's about actually having diversity. It's about inclusion. And so when we talk about these things, and I, I said this on my Twitter uh, not too long ago, I said, when black people talk about something is racist that we're saying is that it's playing into the stereotypes it's playing into the oppression it's playing into 
all of the all of the all the negative things that harm my people like do do harm do terror do violence against my people whether it's restricting me from voting or the next story that I'm getting ready to talk about which is not on the docket so pardon me I'm going to be going off I'm going to be going off riff um but yeah like that's what we're talking about when we say something is racist and usually when white people tell me that something I said is racist it's usually based in oh that makes me uncomfortable that hurt my feelings do you see how the two are not the same? One plays into the regular stereotypes, the, the, the established stereotypes um, that have been detrimental to my people, detrimental, harmful, dangerous, even deadly to my people. And one makes you feel sad. You see how the two aren't the same? You see why I'm less concerned about feelings and more concerned about justice? Right. So... Uh, Jacob went to jail. <laughs> Jacob's going to jail. Um, apparently, Jacob's also 34 years old, which I did not know. I thought that man was way older. Um, you see how hatred ages you like a banana? Like an avocado ages you just, oh, oh, like, like, mm. That's why y'all shouldn't be hateful. See? Mm. Enjoy. Be joyful. Be, be, be kind 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 people age slower see look look at paul rudd look at jack mcbriar <laughs> you see them they're not aging do you see them they gonna be young forever simply because they're not they're not hateful terrible people and yeah that's all i have to say on that um yes that's all i have to say on jacob so this story i'm, I'm going off riff but i put it on my instagram and i just remembered that we needed to talk about it so apparently down in Texas, the same state that is currently looking up something like 850 different books. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, if you want to go back and listen to that episode um, in, for more detail, uh, the state that is currently going through uh, people's schools and libraries and stuff like that to remove certain books that they believe are critical race theory, which they are not. <laughs> As I've said, there's usually diversity, equity, inclusion, because your kids, especially in K through eight, are not learning critical race theory. I never learned critical race theory and I went to university. You, the only way you're really learning it is if you are going to law school. Law school. So a bunch of teens in Texas, the same state that's currently removing diversity, equity, inclusion, teaching and literature from schools thought it'd be a really good idea to dress up as Klansmen, people in the KKK with the white robes and stuff like that, with the eyes uh, cut out and things like that. Thought it'd be a good idea to put on Klansmen robes and terrorize, terrorize at wherever they live. What was it? Woodsboro? Woodsboro? Yes, I believe it was Woodsboro, Texas. Um, According to the AP, there were as many as six different victims, all juveniles. The five other victims were not harmed, but they were chased or otherwise terrorized. However, one victim was tased with a stun gun. And these are children. These are children that, you know, are playing in the football games. These are children that are populating the halls of these schools. These are children that are sitting next to our children. And that is frustrating. That is infuriating. That is, ugh, it makes me so angry. It makes me so incredibly angry because last week we heard of another story of of terror and racism um and i posted this on my tiktok as well as on my own instagram where i talked about izzy little girl named izzy 10 year old izzy um yeah this story is this story is kind of hard to talk about but uh yeah 10 year old izzy 
she was black and autistic and she decided that she was going to take her life. She took her life um, because she didn't want to be bullied anymore because the children at school were saying terrible, racist, horrible things to her. And this particular school district, I believe it's in Utah. Yes, Utah. This particular school district, I believe it's the Davis. Yeah, the Davis School District in Utah. Um, apparently their racist bullying is so intense that the, the Department of Justice, the Depart the United States Department of Justice had to come down and open an investigation. Um, and then they presented their findings just months before Izzy passed all of the claims with all of the racist bullying and the teachers who saw it and did nothing or the teachers who saw it and joined in all of that were found according to the Department of Justice meritorious the school district was found to be deliberately indifferent to known um to known student harassment based upon race and its own discipline practices violated black students equal protection rights these are 10 year olds these are 10 year olds teasing other 10 year olds into thinking that their lives are not worth living these are 10 year olds. In fact, I just heard another story of a 14 year old girl. Um, yes, a 14 year old girl who was bullied and I'm going, I'm pardon me, you guys, I really am going off riff now. Um, a 14 year old girl who was teased, who was bullied because, you know, she was, she was black. So it was also racist, um, bullying. And it was a, it was a video apparently. And a little girl, um, you know, she got a lot of support. A lot of people were backing her up. A lot of people were supporting her. And um, I'm trying to find that story as we speak. Uh, let's see. Racist bullying. Yeah, I just saw this and I'm not, I can't remember where I saw this. Um, if it was the root or the griot, but anyway, you guys get the point. Um, young child was like across the nation. Apparently this is the thing where these kids are literally, they feel justified. They feel comfortable. They feel confident in, in bullying each other and bullying teens and bullying children children to harm themselves it's it's a lot it's a lot um and again these are children they had to have learned it from somewhere they had to have learned it from somewhere where are they learning it from they're learning it from home and they wouldn't feel so confident. They wouldn't feel so emboldened. They wouldn't feel so empowered if there were real, there were real consequences for these actions, you know? And so like a lot of us are outraged about what happened in Texas. A lot of us are outraged about what happened in Utah. A lot of us are outraged about what happened to that 14 year old girl that I was just mentioning. Um, but where is the, where is the amount of outrage that exists for critical race theory and being taught to people and the kids in school? Like, there's not the same outrage. It's like, oh, it makes Timmy feel sad. As a, like, it doesn't make Timmy feel sad. Because Timmy needs to learn how to dissociate. Timmy was not there when people were, you know, stealing people from one continent and shipping them over to another continent as, as, as chattel. Timmy wasn't there. And yeah, Timmy can be like, yo, that's messed up that that happened. And Timmy can feel sad about that. That's okay to feel sad about stuff like that. You should, because if you're a human being, you feel sad when you find out that human beings did terrible things to other human beings. That's what human beings feel. Because if you don't feel that, then there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. You need to go get yourself checked out. If you don't have any empathy for people's families being torn apart because of terrible things that people did to other people, you need to have yourself checked out. You need to. Um, that's, hi, this is your sign. Go get therapy immediately. Um, go get yourself checked out. There's a lot of professional licensed therapists that are, that are willing to help you. Okay. Um, but Timmy, Timmy learning about racism, 
is not going to do the harm of Timmy telling someone to kill themselves and then they do it. And then they do it. Ten years old. A ten-year-old little girl is gone. Abysmal. Um, back to these boys in Texas. I hope... Ooh, I hope they throw the... I'm following the story. I hope they throw the book at these kids. That is a hate crime. And I don't care what anyone else says. People are trying to clean it up. Oh, the kids will just be kids. Oh, the children, you know, they're just... They're just, you know, they're just... They're, this is just a joke. This is just a joke. Someone decided to put on robes that were worn by people who literally terrorized communities to terrorize a community. That is a hate crime. Throw the book at them. The book. The way y'all treat black children who, you know, disarmed, um, not disarmed, unarmed, unarmed black children. You know, we could talk about Trayvon. We could talk about Mike. We could talk about um, Tamir. We could talk about Oh God, there's the list. There's a long list of unarmed black children who are no longer with us because no one thought, oh, they were just children. Oh, they're just kids. What about the little girl we talked about a few months ago who was pepper sprayed by the Rochester police because she was having a, a mental health breakdown. And rather than meet her with compassion, they said, you're acting like a child. And she said, I am a child. She was nine years old. She was having a, she was having a mental breakdown. And rather than meeting her with compassion and empathy, they maced her in the face and handcuffed her, threw her down in the snow. Our children aren't met with that same level of empathy. Yet you got these kids who are old enough to know that if they put on a, a Klansman robe and take a stun gun out, they're they're looked at as oh it's just kids oh it's just harmful harmless fun someone got harmed not only harmed physically but harmed mentally are we going to talk about that why are our children not afforded that same luxury that same that same room to be children that same room to even make mistakes None of this was on the on the docket on the on the rundown, but I, I we just had to talk about it. Moving along, so I'm reading from Politico. So top Democratic, um, top Democratic, sorry, top Democrats is what I'm trying to say. Ooh, I'm so fired up from that last story. I can't talk. Whew, okay, Whew. let me take a drink of water. Hold on one second, guys. Top Democrats are demanding that GOP leaders take actions against Paul Gosar after the House conservative posted a video showing violence against AOC. So Paul Gosar last week thought it would be a really good idea to post a video that his staff members had made of him in an anime. It's like they took the faces of the anime characters um, and put Paul's face and then AOC's face and then later Joe Biden's face um, where the character that Paul's face is on does violence against, it's supposed to be a giant, uh, city leveling monster with AOC's face on it. And he thought it'd be a cute idea to post that on his social media, except he's a representative in the United States government. And that is inciting violence. Oh yeah, sure. It's a goofy video. It's a cartoon. It's this is that it's the third, but it's also, it's also inciting violence. You see in grown up world, you can't make videos like this and think it's okay and keep your job. You see when you're not used to accountability, accountability suddenly feels like oppression. And you could tell that certain people aren't used to accountability because they probably acted this way their whole lives. So much so that Paul Gosar's whole family is just like, nah, he crazy. <laughs> nah, he crazy. We don't even approve of this. I feel, I feel like his sister and then like his brother-in-law, somebody spoke out. A bunch of people spoke out from his family. Um, I can't, I don't know the actual people, but I keep seeing tweets like such and such as brother, such and such this, that. Um, and they are putting as much distance between themselves and him as possible. Um, you would think that, you know, 
certain people would be proud that you became a representative, but people were like, oh, no, this is bad. This is real, real bad. Real, real bad. Mm -mm, We don't approve this at all. So, well, here's what happened. Um, (laughs) I remember earlier when I said that folks aren't used to accountability. Well, here comes accountability. Hi, it's consequence time. Members of the House of Representatives voted to censure Arizona Representative Paul Gosar and remove him from two committee assignments after he shared the animated video online um, depicting him killing Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and attacking President Biden. The resolution passed by 223 votes to 207 and it strips Gosar of all of his assignments to the Um, House Oversight and Reform Committee and the National uh, Resources Committee, the Washington Post reports. Gosar becomes the 24th member to be censured in the um, and the first since 2010. The first since 2010. So everyone's gonna be like, oh, this is partisan um, politics and blah, 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 blah. no. No, 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 no. Because if if someone on the Democratic side had created the same video and then shared it on their social media about the former guy, the last president, oh, it, the uproar. Oh, it would have been, oh, the, what about the children, the families? Oh, how dare you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But when it's your own people, y'all don't have a lot to say. I still have yet to hear from... um the Republican side about their boy Gates, Matt Gates. Y'all remember him? He's under investigation for like, he's under um, investigation for allegedly trafficking, like sex trafficking. And then with being with minors. Hmm. Very interesting. Oh, Matt Gates also has said that he would, uh, he would hire Kyle Rittenhouse as a, uh, as an intern, which, is another big reason why he shouldn't have a job. You're looking at a person who literally murdered people at a, pro- at a protest, at a protest, people at a protest. Um, I don't even want to touch that. Um, I don't even want to touch that trial because right now I like my thoughts are swirling in my head um, about that particular judge. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm incensed about that whole process. I said, I wasn't going to talk about it. Let me talk about it for five minutes. Um, so from when the judge said that the defense, I'm sorry, when the judge said that the prosecution couldn't call the victims of Kyle Rittenhouse, his victims, but they could be called looters or rioters. I knew from the, from jump, I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. Oh, this is not going to go well. Mm -mm. This is not going to go well. And it hasn't. There's video from the courtroom where the judge is screaming, yelling, He's done everything but go and give Kyle Rittenhouse a kiss on the forehead and adopt him as his son. There's him, you know, literally just clipping the wings of the prosecution. Um, and then earlier this week, he, he had the charges drops, dropped for the, the weapons charge. The weapons charge was the biggest charge. Um, the easiest one, the easiest charge rather, no, had it dropped. <sighs> so we see where this is going. Um, we see exactly where this is going. Uh, he also said some pretty questionable things in court, uh, had some weird things to say about, uh, Asian food, had some weird things to say about a bunch of other stuff. And so, yeah, we can see where this is going. That's all I'm going to say. Um, apparently the jury is in deliberation right now, um, as I am speaking on Thursday, November 18th, we shall see how it goes. We shall see how it goes. Uh, rest in peace to all of the people who passed during the astral world chaos. Rest in peace. Um, my heart goes out to all those people. 50,000 people while, you know, there's still this minor thing going on called a global pandemic. 50,000 people decided to crowd into astral world. There was crowd surges. A bunch of people, hundreds got hurt. 
10 are confirmed dead. I just saw today that the youngest person has passed away. It was a nine-year-old, a nine-year-old child um, who passed away because of all of the, the raging and the crowd surges and the foolishness and too much. It's heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and I just saw that Travis Scott, Drake and the Astro World planners, um, and I believe Live Nation also was hit with a $750 million lawsuit. Um, yeah, take them for everything they got. This was this is abysmal. And anyone who says otherwise, anyone who wants to try to defend wealthy people for making terrible decisions um, or hiding behind Kardashian money, that's on you. There's nothing good that can be said about this situation. It is heartbreaking. It is heart-wrenching. It is devastating. It should have never happened. Prior, I say it all the time, one of the best things I learned when becoming a Greek was prior prep. Prior proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. All of this could have been better prepared for. In fact, it should have been because long before the chaos at Astro World, um, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, um, I'm sorry. Yes, San Francisco Chronicle, I believe. Um, Travis Scott had built a reputation for inciting craziness at his own concerts. Um, the Houston fire chief had actually visited and discussed with Travis, like, yo, and the planning people, yo, guys, we kind of might not want to do this. Kind of, you know, this, this, this is wild. Um, this could be dangerous. And it just wasn't any, there was no planning. There were no exits created for folks. There were, it, it literally, the worst that could possibly happen, happened. And prior planning and preparation and, you know, maybe limiting crowd sizes could have saved all of these lives. Nobody needed to die for a concert. And anyone who says otherwise can kick rocks. Like, no one needed to die for a concert. Especially not a Travis Scott concert on top of anything. Like, don't die for any concert. But not Travis Scott. All right, let's get into this wrap up rant and blacks in the deep end. All right, it's time for the wrap up rant and blacks in the deep end. So let's start with this wrap up rant. Um, to the defense attorney of the McMichael, Brian. Gregory McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William Bryan Jr. Um, murderers. Absolute murderers. Um, to him, um, you can go to hell. You can absolutely go to hell. So this defense attorney is really, really, really uncomfortable with the amount of black pastors who keep showing up to support the family of Ahmaud Arbery. Now, he's not uncomfortable that he's supporting, um, he's currently defending three murderers who literally murdered a person in cold blood for the color of their skin. Right? Had no other reason to murder him. Um, chasing down, literally in their trucks, jumped out and did harm. And all this is recorded. All of this is recorded. Um, I still have not watched the video. I cannot watch videos of of black harm. I just, not, no, I simply cannot. But yeah. So it's not the fact that he's defending pretty blatant murderers that makes him uncomfortable. It's the black pastors sitting in silent solidarity and silent support of this family who was being re-traumatized from having to experience experience the murder of Ahmad all over again in the details. This is what he had to say. Over a hundred. Uh, and the idea that we're going to be serially bringing these people in to sit with the victim's family one after another, obviously there's only so many pastors they can have. And if their pastor's Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here 
or other, Jesse Jackson, whoever was in, was in here earlier this week, sitting with the victim's family, trying to influence a jury in this case. And I'm not saying the state is even aware that Mr. Sharpton was in the courtroom. I certainly wasn't aware of it until last night. But I think the court can understand my concern uh, about bringing people in who really don't have any ties to this case other than political interests. He said he don't want no more black pastors in there. He blatantly said it. And it was very interesting because I was watching the reaction around the room and it looks like his co-counsel, both of them bristled, both white blonde women bristled at him just straight up saying, yeah, we don't want any more black pastors in here. <laughs> we don't want them. We don't want them here at all. Again, they are, he wasn't even aware that they were even in here. Wasn't even aware. Um, excuse me. So judge Walmsley, I hope I said that Walmsley rather who was presiding over the case had this to say. Um, that gets back to what I'm starting to watch very carefully as far as what's going on in this courtroom, uh, with the jury, as well as the arguments that are being made by counsel. I'll point out that a number of times during jury selection, it was raised that jurors were being influenced by individuals outside the court. And I think it was either four or five jurors were asked specifically whether or not they were influenced in some way by what was going on outside the courtroom. Uh, and they were not. There was no, actually, if I remember correctly, they didn't even recognize or see what was going on outside the courtroom. Uh, and as counsel are aware, because I'm brief counsel, there are steps being taken by the court during the jury trial to ensure that uh, jurors are not influenced by anything happening around the courthouse. So then we start getting into what we have now with individual members uh, or ind individuals coming into the courtroom. I will say that is directly in response, Mr. Goff, to statements you made, which I find reprehensible. Uh, these the Colonel Sanders statement you made last week, I would suggest maybe something that has influenced what is going on here. Um, in response to that, and to his credit, Mr. Sheffield made some comments, but did say, you know, come one, come all. Um, and so now the court is faced with balancing a lot of things going on outside this courtroom and doing it in a way that respects members of the public's right to be in the courtroom, as well as what's what I'm trying to put out there is a fair trial, right? So you need to understand, everybody, that your words in this courtroom have an impact on a lot of what's going on. And so my measured response at this point is to balance all of that out and try to move forward with the trial. I'm not granting a mistrial at this point based on these arguments that are being made because I think I'm not granting a mistrial. So, yeah, Judge Walmsley is not happy. He's not happy at all. Um, not happy about those comments about the black pastors. Not, I didn't hear about the Colonel Sanders remark, but apparently it was reprehensible. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, like I said, the defense attorney for those who murdered Ahmad Arbery in cold blood, he can um, go to the same place that they're going. That's all I'm going to say about that situation. Oh, this one goes out to People Magazine, and I didn't get a chance to properly yell at them last week when they posted the most abysmal, abysmal headline surrounding the World catastrophe. So for those who are unfamiliar, Travis Scott is partnered with Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner is the mother of his child, Stormy, and she is currently pregnant with their second child. Um, and apparently she was at Astro World uh, to enjoy the festivities and support her, her partner. Um, so people immediately posted after the, all the craziness happened with Astro World that Kylie Jenner, something to the effect of Kylie Jenner was unharmed. And that, you know, how it was something to the effect of Kylie Jenner is unharmed at Astro World, um, the deadly concert that um, involved 
resulted in the death of eight people, something to that effect, to which all of us have said, duh. Of course, she wasn't in the crowd. She's a celebrity. You think she was in the crowd? Like, if anything, she's up in a box, up in a loft, up somewhere so she could see all of the fun without, you know, actually being in the insanity of that crowd. Of course, she wasn't there. But even more BS, why are we in such a dangerous place of celebrity worship where we only care about what the celebrities went through and not the, the victims? You, in the same headline, you mentioned eight people died. Do we not have any regard for them? There were hundreds, hundreds of people who were harmed physically. I'm not even going to talk about the harm mentally that people went through watching people be harmed, watching people die, watching children get hurt or die. And people just wanted to focus on the one on the Jenner. So the people who, whoever wrote that headline needs to be immediately removed from, from writing, um, (laughs) writing for people. I think y'all need to go through it and, uh, at least at the very, very least do some training (laughs) up in people. Um, because wow, wow. And they got dragged. I think they're still getting dragged. Matter of fact, um, behind all of that, all of that foolishness. Um, so that's it. That's it for my, I, all right. I wasn't going to touch this topic, but I think I am just, I'm gonna dip my toe in it. The the baby D-A-B-A-B-Y and the Danny Lee situation. Apparently Danny Lee has a baby by the baby, has a child, newborn. I'm going to call the baby the newborn. Um, Sweet little girl, three months old, just had this baby three months ago. They had a massive and very, very public online fallout where he kicked her out. She alleges it's because she ordered some plan B because they're not using protection and she just had this kid and, you know, she doesn't want to necessarily just keep popping out children. Um, and he kicked her and this baby out. Like, cause obviously the mom's not going to leave her newborn infant with this man. Um, he alleges that he did it, you know, and he's recording for his own safety. He called the police to have her removed. Um, she is saying, you know, that a lot of things aren't true. And, you know, he released a statement, she released a statement back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The whole situation is chaotic and ridiculous. Um, and my concern will always be the child in the situation. So what's going on with the baby, the, the actual baby, the actual baby, not the baby, the actual infant in the situation. Cause it, she, at three months old, like there's so much that you need, you need a crib, you need, you know, bottles and wipes and diapers and all of the stuff you need so much. And like, you know, if you're kicking people out, you know, it's usually with the clothes on their back. What is Danny? I'm not saying Danny Lee is poor. And I'm not saying that she's destitute. I'm not saying she's, you know, she she's going to be out of her way. But at the same time, like, considering that they have been living together for the last three months, I assume that there's all those things that are needed for this child at his house. Um, and if he's if it's true that he's kicking her out because she just doesn't want to have any more children, um, she doesn't want to have sex irresponsibly, um which is her own decision, which is her own choice for her own body, then he's, he's exactly as trash as we all thought he was. Um, but really and truly like it's as a black woman, I'm in a weird place because like as a mom and as a woman, I feel bad for her. Like I instantly feel empathy. I instantly like want to secure her and the baby's safety. Um, the petty in me, is looking at this entire situation because Danny Lee recently uh, shared or created and uh, published a song uh, called yellow bone. And the whole lyrics is talk about how this, this man that she's with wants a yellow bone. Um, and people are arguing that Danny Lee isn't even black. So she can't even even use that term, but why even, even if she was black, why create a song 
uh, based upon someone wanting someone who is light skinned as opposed to any like this is foolish like talk about yourself as an individual don't talk about your don't no you're harping into all kinds of trash colorist foolishness um that I personally have just ugh, I'm disgusted with so that whole situation is developing um I'm not gonna hold you guys I'm probably not gonna follow this story at all um my like I said my concerns for the child and so if I hear something about the child like maybe I'll say something but like honestly these two grown folks who have been trash in their own right can figure it out um from there and that will be that on that let's talk about some good stuff let's talk about blacks in the deep end so two movies were uh, released the heart of they fall and passing both on netflix um i'm gonna do the heart of they fall real quick um fantastic movie i don't like gore i don't like blood there's a lot of gore and a lot of blood unlike you know your stereotypical westerns um but I could deal with it in watching this movie. Well written, very, very well casted. Um, I know some people had some trouble with the Zazie Beats casting, um, especially particularly for this particular character um, of uh, Stagecoach Mary, who was an older, um, fuller figured, dark skinned woman. And, you know, they cast Zazie Beats, who is a lighter skin, uh, lighter skin, thin, thinner, younger woman, um, to which I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand that. Um, and people can have, people can have their critique of that. Um, I would just caution people to be careful about who they deem is black and who they don't, um, Unlike the whole Nina Simone, Zoe Saldana situation where they literally painted her dark. Um, there was none of that in this story. And they do say in the very beginning of the story that while all of these characters existed, this is a fictional, fake, not real story. That this is just fun. This is just for fun. Um, but all these characters existed and they were all black. And I didn't know that there were... I knew that... that for cowboys, I knew that at least a quarter of them at one point in the heyday of, you know, Western life and stuff like that, at least a quarter of them were black. I didn't realize how many famous black cowboys they were because, wow, that's astounding. There was a lot of them, a lot, um, as portrayed by this film, um, and that a lot of the roles that, what was the name of that guy? The guy who does all the Western movies. Anyway, a lot of those characters were played by white men, but they were actually based on black characters. Um, we could talk about that at another time. But a great film, The Heart of They Fall. I liked it. Um, I enjoyed it, even though, like I said, I don't enjoy uh, violence and stuff like that. Um, no spoilers or anything like that. Very, very, very interesting. Um... I love the shout out to Chadwick Boseman. I loved that. I love the callback to the Malcolm X film. I loved that. I loved just, I love how black it was. Like, we don't ever get to see black westerns. I don't think I can think of one that's exclusively black. But I also, I also didn't. I don't know it's just it was it was good I'm gonna watch it again um I loved that like at one point you walk into the saloon and you go from 18 the late 1800s to like the 1930s Harlem it feels like because the saloon suddenly becomes this like plush jazz nightclub like it's very, very cool. It's a really interesting transition. It's very, very interesting. Um, I love the music from the soundtrack. It's very, very good. Um, so Whitney approves of that. And then my husband and I had the chance to sit and watch Passing this past weekend. And boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, first of all, 
great film. I love that it's, uh, I love that it is put in black and white. And I love how it challenges certain notions because there's this unspoken, it's largely unspoken. I haven't really heard people like, I haven't really heard any pieces about it, but it's largely unspoken understanding amongst black people because we all kind of look, we can all see features of blackness and it was very glaring to us that, but it's not glaring to white folks. And it's very, very interesting watching that dynamic play out in passing because the whole premise is that there's these two fair toned women who were passing in the early 1900s. Um, and they are, Ooh, it's, it's just interesting how they go. Like one, she's literally just, she goes uptown to shop for her son's birthday. Um, and she walks into a bunch of shops that would particularly be, you know, known for, you know, only being for white people. Um, but she goes in and no one really notices. She keeps her hat low. She keeps her eyes low. She doesn't really like let people stare at her for too long, but they simply do not notice. And she catches a cab, um, she goes uptown. I mean, she's uptown already, but she goes to a hotel for tea to go sit in, you know, somewhere that will be cooler. So she goes to sit and, you know, cool off. And she runs into a childhood friend who is absolutely 100% passing, like is married to a white man, has a child that is white, um, that she's raising as white. And she herself is passing and as a black person I'm a look I'm looking at her and I'm like how how can they not see that she's black and my husband pointed out he's like they haven't had to been trained to find the blackness nor do they have like it's very interesting that the that none of the characters until I don't want to put a spoiler in but much 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 significantly later and only after black people have pointed it out can see that certain individuals are black it's like the only measure that they use to see these things are skin tone and hair texture, but not anything else. And at, and it's wild because I was looking at Demetria Lucas's, um, if you guys don't follow Demetria Lucas, go ahead. And she has a podcast called Ratchet and Respectable and I love it. It's great. Um, but on her Instagram, she posted a picture of a woman standing next to Reese Witherspoon and it's almost the same thing where it's like, oh wait is that woman biracial because there's some there's definitely some black in there it's in there it's in there it's deep down in there but it's in there um this whole racially ambiguous thing um is played out and I love like I said I love that the film is in black and white so you can't even really like look at the nuances and the things like that it's a very, very interesting film. Very, very. I got to go read the book. The book was written, I believe, in the 30s by Nella Larson. Um, so I'm going to go back and look at the book myself. But great, 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 great films. Uh, the Harder They Fall and Passing. Take the time, if you have it, to watch. Very different films from one another, but each has their own commentary. Um, so I'm reading from Because of Them We Can, because I said I was going to follow this particular story. But shout out to LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton has been tapped to host a game show based on the classic trivia game, Trivial Pursuit, which is being developed by um, Burton's own entertainment company alongside with Hasbro Entertainment. Um, And this is according to Variety. Trivial Pursuit is one of the best known brands in gaming in the gaming universe. Uh, LeVar said, he said, I am thrilled to have partnered with Hasbro and E1 to bring the beloved game to market as a premium show for television. Ah! Like, I'm so excited. Like, the whole debacle with Jeopardy, like, fine. Like, y'all were trash to LeVar. And LeVar was like, you know what? It's all good. I learned that what I thought I wanted, I didn't want. And I had, and he said, he said, I had a better, I have a better opportunity plan. So rather than following in the path of Alex Trebek, which God rest his soul, Alex Trebek was one of the most fantastic human beings to ever grace the planet. And that's my humble opinion. Um, 
LeVar gets to blaze his own trail, create his own thing. Um, and guess who will be watching me? Yes. One of you watching it. Can't wait to find out where this is playing or streaming or yeah. Let us know LeVar because we love you and we support you and we are, we are ready to see you on the show. And that is it for this week's show. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your subscribes. Thank you guys so much for for tuning in every single week and just supporting the show. Um, please, if you have the chance or the time, please leave a review wherever you're listening to this, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Um, please leave a review. Rate us five stars. Um, go ahead and take the time, write a few sentences just to let the folks know what the show is about and how you feel about it. Um, I deeply, deeply appreciate each of those and I read each of those and I take, um, all of your comments and things like that to heart. Um, I had a black owned business. I had a several and I just forgot them. Oh, no, no, no. I got one. Um, so Janobi bags, I posted on our Blythe and Brown uh, page on Instagram for those who are interested in following Blythe, B-L-I-T-H-E, and, spelled like and, brown, like the color. Um, that's our family page where we talk about, you know, raising a child in the time of the pandemic, but also raising a black child, raising a, a girl. We talk about, but the, the biggest thing that we talk about is black-owned brands and businesses and try to share those things with the folks um, and Janobi bags popped up on my radar. Janobi bags, J U Junobi, J U N O B I E bags, as in the things you carry stuff in, um, is a black owned brand for mother, for birthing people who are, you know, pumping and need storage for your, for your milk and stuff like that. They have, or, or you know, you need to carry, you know, the milk that you've pumped and things like that, they have reusable bags. So you're not storing stuff in flimsy bag, one use bags that you'll toss out later. No, these are reusable, washable, restorable, uh, restorable. That is not a word, but you get the point. Janobi bags. Um, I believe they're made of like food grade silicone or something like that, but they're very, very, very safe. Um, getting, they get lots of high ratings and they're dope. And y'all should go and support if you know someone who's having a baby shower, any, um, any birthing people who are also breastfeeding, you know, that could help support that and it keeps the world safe and it's eco-friendly. So come on, go support Janobi bags. Um, oh, please do not forget that you can support this show on Patreon. There's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. That show again is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Whitney Elise. There's multiple tiers. There's a ton of exclusive content already over there. Shout out to my patrons. You guys are so dope. Um, and that is it for this week's show. Thank you guys so much for being here. And as always, peace y'all.